This is Living with Kremlin on WGOT LP Gainesville.
again and again Cause to see is to do Is the way that a few of us love It's okay now It's an honor to play now Play my guitar To the strings, give my thoughts to the strings. It is abstract as stage, but not a page. It's a thought, not a page. Thought, not a page. Froze on a cold stone. Hoping to, hoping to find. And claim the 
going to wrap up the warm-up mix here on uh, Living with Cram on WGOTLP Gainesville. Before that, in the warm-up mix, we started things off this week with a little bit of disco uh, from a group called Gossip, and their song title is Real Power. Right after that, uh, switch gears a little bit musically because you heard uh, Pylon Reenactment Society, which features some of the uh, original people that were in Pylon, teaming up with Kate Pearson from B-52's that song title is Fix It, and it kind of makes sense because they're both really, really well-known uh, Athens bands. Um, but here in Gainesville, we have our own legendary people, and you heard a new song from Lord Jane Grace, Birds Talk To. Uh, then after that, it was Dent May, One Call, That's All, and uh, that's all for what you've heard in the warm-up mix so far on uh, Living With Grandma. So let's get into a little bit of newsy stuff and what I've been up to this week. And really, I think this past week has been uh, the most important story, at least for me, is just how cold it's been for, for Gainesville, especially by Gainesville standards, um, which I actually like on one level because I do like to get in a little bit of change of the seasons, but yet on another level, I hate it because, uh, for one, my house is a cement blockhouse. It's very old construction and has wood floors uh, and a crawl space underneath which uh, somehow allows the house to be incredibly cold in the winter but it does help in the summertime I suppose to keep the temperatures down especially if you have to get up early in the morning like I do Um, and uh, it's very very cold and uh, uh, also 
I mean, it's not really that fun when it's low 50s, 40s to go riding around Gainesville on a mountain bike. So, um, uh, in addition to not being fun, I would also say that riding around in low temperatures in Gainesville is, uh, for me, dangerous because I don't have any actual um, riding gear or cycling gear. So, this past week, I almost got hit by a car. Um, when the pant legs of uh, one of my sweatpants uh, leg got caught in my front chain wheel um, as I was crossing the road. But I uh, guess uh, luckily I was able to kind of rip it out of the last second, and I guess that's why pro cyclists wear tights. Um, but I don't think I'm a tights kind of person. So um, also, I kind of kept catching you up to uh, a little bit of news around here in WGOT. Um, this past week, we had our first board meeting for WGOT in quite some time, with the focus being um, to discuss fundraising, which is a note to myself that I need to do a better job uh, reminding to tell the listeners um, about Venmo. I think everybody kind of knows what Venmo is, um, but I fail quite often to repeat that when you go to Venmo, the key term to search for is WG forever, um, with the four, the number four, so number four ever, which kind of sounds like a boy band title. But um, I mention Patreon all the time, but Venmo is great if you want to do like a one-time donation, and I always seem to forget about Venmo on this show anyway. So again, uh, log into Venmo, and you can search for WGOT forever. Uh, the other big news, um, I guess station, for the station anyway, is that it looks, hopefully, very optimistic that we're going to be adding um, some Spanish language programming, which is something we've been wanting to do for a while, ever since our, our first person, Victor, um, he kind of uh, went his separate ways, and it looks like we've got someone uh, with quite a bit of experience that's going to come in and do some uh, Spanish-speaking uh, uh language pro our spanish language speaking programming uh, for the local people here in gainesville which i think is quite awesome uh, also just uh, pulling the curtain back um, after we met with those people things got a little uh, spicy over uh at the uh, meeting for the board meeting at wgot um over at public in general who are not a sponsor but that's where we were so anyway uh got spicy over this uh, post that I put up because I am pretty much the main person that is the manager uh, moderator of that page and I put this uh, picture up about Taylor Swift and her, how her costumes kind of look like the what I thought kind of like the Florida Gators gymnastics costume which uh, a couple people got really mad about I suppose for, for whatever reason but it's fine we don't all have to agree and we don't have, all have to sit around in a circle singing Kumbaya, my lord. Um, so there you go. Uh, speaking of spicy, I've uh, got an artist that I haven't played here yet on the show. I've known about him for a little while, but I had never seen him actually do a live performance until some of his clips started part, uh, appearing um, all over the place on YouTube and Instagram and a few other uh, shorts that he did. It's uh, Mark Ribelet, who is a very spicy performer, if you watched any of his concert, I watched his full performance at Coachella 2023 this year, and I gotta say, he is great. Performs like a combination of performance art 
mixed with a great musician, mixed with like electronic music, and uh, a really interesting performer. Um, so check him out if you haven't seen Mark Rebele. Chances are you have if you're on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube because like I said, his clips really seem to be making the rounds right now. So uh, um, here you go, very spicy performer. Mark, Mark Rebele anyway with I Want to Die on Living with Cramble on WGOT LP Gainesville.
right, that is a sublime disconnect with Holiday Ghost, and thank you for tuning in to Living with Grandma on WGOTLP Gainesville. What else did you hear? Well, I will tell you. Let things off with the artist named Mark Ribelay. He's part musician, part performance artist. Uh, check out his videos if you haven't. And that song title is I Want to Die. Right over that, kind of kept the electronic music going with a new one from uh, Joy Orbison, Flight FM. Then uh, another one of my favorite bands, besides Yardak, which I played in the first segment. Uh, this band name is Idols, and their song is Gift Course. Uh, then right after that, you had Mean Jeans, Something's Going On, and then it was Chelsea Wolf, Everything Turns Blue, and that's everything that you've heard here on uh, Living with Cramela. So during this part of the show each and every week, we like to take a little bit of time to examine a current event and a topic. And this week, the topic's going to be psychology. So what I want to do is I want to investigate the psychology behind some things that I've noticed recently, or maybe not even recently, things I've noticed for a long time. So I want to dig deep and try to figure out what the thinking is uh, for people uh, that I'm about to describe. All right, so the first mini topic underneath psychology this week I want to take a look at uh, the Coke versus Pepsi people. And what I really want to understand is like the psychology of a person who would actually pick Pepsi over Coke, assuming that both are available and they had a choice. Because I'm really confused by these people. Now, I do understand if you're the kind of person who says, I don't like Coke or Pepsi because soda is garbage and it's full of sugar and it's super unhealthy, I can understand and relate to that person. I get that, that um, stream of thinking. But if you're in a situation um, where you have a choice, can't understand it. So if it happens to be that you're in a situation where you're at a restaurant, because restaurants tend to either be Coke or Pepsi, and you've got a restaurant and it doesn't offer Coca-Cola, then I can kind of understand ordering a Pepsi. Personally, in that situation, what I would do is I'd order a Mountain Dew if they're a Pepsi restaurant, because in my opinion, a fountain Mountain Dew with ice um, is way better than a Pepsi. I think the, uh, the fountain and the ice really kind of bring out the tanginess of the Mountain Dew. So in that situation, I would definitely order a Mountain Dew long before I'd order a Pepsi. But if I had a choice between Coke and Pepsi, or Coke and Mountain Dew, Coke 100% of the time. So let's get a little bit deeper. I mean, exactly who are these, I'm just going to say it, psychopaths that prefer Pepsi over Coca-Cola? Um... Could it be there's like a physical issue? And by physical issue, I mean, do they lack like the normal like taste receptors on their tongue? Or is it some kind of a mental defect or, I don't know, like a missing chromosome? I have no idea. So I guess for this mini topic, we'll have to uh, put uh, the people that prefer Pepsi over Coke, we'll put that in the Unsolved Mysteries Psychological Case File. Although, hey, it's a free country, and I would encourage you to call in uh, to WGOT if you're one of these weirdos that prefer Pepsi over Coke, and hopefully we can unravel this uh, 
psychological curiosity. All right, next topic under psychology, many topic number two is barking dogs. All right, so full disclosure, I'm not a dog person, but I don't dislike dogs. I would say in this situation, I'm perfectly neutral. Now, I don't have a like or dislike for most dogs, but dog owners, that's a whole nother story. Because the truth is about 90% of the people that own dogs are good and conscientious. Uh, they're great dog owners, no problems. Um, they take care of their dog. They respect however other people feel about uh, the animals. However, and you knew there was a however coming, I would say the other 10% of the dog owners in the world, in the United States especially, they totally suck. And they more or less ruin it uh, for the other 90% of dog owners who are good, good people and good, good pet owners. But what I want to do is I want to explore the psychology of the person who leaves their dog outside uh, in a fenced-in backyard, and that dog barks nonstop for hours and again i'm not talking about the occasional dog barking that's perfectly okay um i am quite literally referencing referencing the uh, psychology and the thought processes of owners that leave their dogs outside and they never stop barking so that all of the neighbors are forced uh, to listen to the barking so let's dive in because there are actually I was thinking legitimate reasons why you would want a constantly barking dog. One of them could be maybe you live like in an isolated area or compound like Waco or let's say Ruby Ridge and you don't have any neighbors uh, close by. Um, so who cares about a barking dog under those conditions if you don't have any neighbors? Then I thought like, oh, maybe another legitimate reason for a nonstop uh, barking dog may be that you live in a very high crime area and that dog is some kind of deterrent slash protection. Uh, furthermore, maybe you are a person who owns your own junkyard and you need the proverbial junkyard dog uh, to keep people from hopping your fence and stealing your junk. But what I'm actually referring to is like a situation where we're talking about a normal residential neighborhood. Um, and obviously one without a homeowners association. So uh, it's kind of a, I guess, an advertisement partly for HOAs, even though I hate them. But anyway, let's figure out the psychology of the person who leaves their dog outside for long periods of nonstop barking. Question one, I want to know, is that person, that dog owner, are they inside their house and they're listening to all the barking? If so, are they totally immune to all this noise um, from the nonstop barking? Or is it that maybe they are totally like hearing impaired and they can't hear it? Um, so I'm going to take um, a quick Google and let's see, I'm going to Google the number of people that are severely hearing impaired inside America. So let's see what the Google machine says. Okay, that it says 6.6 .6 million. Wow, that's more kind of more than I was expecting. But anyway, now let's see how many dog owners there in America. All right, 65 million. 
So that's about one in five Americans that own a dog and people that have uh, severe um, hearing impairments, that's about one out of 50 people. So I think one of the things that people really love on the show is when we do advanced math. So let's multiply um, one out of 200, or let's see, one out of 50 times um, one out of 250. So, okay, we put those two together. Oh, we got uh, four out of a thousand. So less than a percent, not even half a percent. Okay, so that's a pretty small number. So that means we need to maybe examine the other 99.6% of dog owners then, and we'll chalk 0.4% up to hearing impairment. Math is so much fun, especially when you're listening to it on the radio or a podcast. Um, so that leaves a lot of abled hearing dog owners. So I guess we got to dive deeper. So when the dog's barking nonstop at home and they can hear the dog, why are they not going outside to stop or correct the dog or try to stop the dog from barking? Or why not just bring your dog inside your house? Those both seem to make sense to me. So now we're at a paradox. Um, Do they not like their dog? So they don't want the dog inside? Or maybe they're just people who love the sound of barking. Maybe it's like their ASMR. Um, are they oblivious people? Are they oblivious to all the noise pollution they're allowing their animal to create? Or are they just jerks? Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to guess no, though. I like to believe in the positivity. Um, it could be maybe they're oblivious to the noise or maybe they're jerky. Um, but I think there's a further reason. And I doubt that they're actually at home. While all this nonstop barking is going on, I'm going to guess they're at work, uh, maybe their job at the smoke, sh- or maybe at the smoke shop. That could be a possibility, buying a new vape pen. Or maybe they ran out to the convenience store and they're buying all the lotto tickets up. I-, I don't know where they are. So that leads me to my final question. In this deep dive of dog owners who have dogs outside that never seem to stop barking, um, dogs who bark when the wind blows, who bark when it's the rain starts sprinkling, who bark when they hear their neighbors pulling up into their driveway, who bark just to bark because I guess sometimes that's what animals do, dogs in particular. So if the dog owners aren't home, then my next question would be, why not keep the dog inside while they're gone? Um, when they are home, if they're at home, they can, I guess, conceivably go out and make the dog stop barking or maybe talk, take the um, dog on a walk. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think maybe the people who own the dogs that never stop barking um, outside, they probably won't bring them inside when they're not at home because the animal can't be trusted inside the house not to cause big damage um, to the belongings while the homeowner is out. It's possible these non-stop barking, barking dogs might tear up the furniture or uh, I think it's you know pretty likely or a possibility at least that um, these dogs might knock over their ashtray inside full of their cigarettes or they might chew up their Duck Dynasty slippers or maybe scratch up the door. 
So I guess for them, the easy thing to do while they're gone is leave their dog outside so all the neighbors can enjoy the dog. And who doesn't love listening to a non-stop barking dog? So I think we actually solved this one. I think we solved the psychology of dog owners with an outside dog that always seems to be barking. Um, as an addendum, though, I believe that if I went outside and set up my decks with my speakers and my mixer and my amp, and let's say I hypothetically um, played loud music that you could hear thumping you know, for two or three hours unabated, exactly three houses down, well, that might just get me a noise ordinance a violation in Gainesville. So there you go. We solved issue number two. So now we're going to go to our most serious uh, mini-issue for psychology. And our last psychological exploration is going to be a little bit gross. So for the next two or three minutes, you might want to turn down the volume on your car radio. Or if you're listening to a podcast from Cramwell Radio Shows, you can fast forward two or three minutes. Um, but what I want to understand for uh, mini topic number three, please help me understand the psychology of the person who leaves poop in a public toilet and can't be bothered to flush it down. And I actually didn't plan this, but one of the first things that kind of occurs to me is that people who prefer Pepsi over Coke and people that have dogs outside that never stop barking and people who don't flush their fecal matter down in a public toilet might act actually be exactly one circle like in a Venn diagram. They're all just in one circle. But anyway, I digress. Uh, let's go from talking about number two over to talking about number one because there is actually like an environmental reason um, for people that don't flush um, every single time they urinate. It's kind of understandable. I, I can kind of relate to those people. Um, but we're not talking about them. We need to differentiate those people from the people who don't flush um, after urinating versus the people who don't flush after a large bowel movement. But, um, you know, one possibility is maybe these poopers that leave their poop in the toilet, maybe they're just misunderstood hardcore environmentalists. Maybe they're so dedicated to the cause that the idea is not to flush the toilet until their feces or the feces in the toilet basically stacks up and forms a pyramid up to the top of the toilet piling up until it reaches um, your backside. That would be a good time to flush I suppose if you're in this uh, group. Um, pretty much like every other single broken toilet you see on the show hoarders. Could be. <sighs> Could also be that maybe they're using the toilet and you know, for some reason it breaks and it stopped working as soon as they sat down. Therefore, there is no option to flush the toilet. But realistically, those options are not highly likely. So let's deep dive and take a look at a third option for the psychology of people that don't flush the toilet after they go number two. Maybe, think about it, they could be germaphobes who do not want to touch the handle of the toilet. This I can also relate to a little bit because I do not like touching the handle either. But I also don't like sitting down or using any public toilet. And I've heard enough from women 
to know that they also don't like sitting down on a public toilet, which sometimes can lead to a mess in the women's bathroom um, where they're kind of hovering and peeing and maybe uh, a little bit of spillovers happening because uh, they're trying to avoid direct contact with the seat, which takes up into another tangent, real quick side question. Are restrooms that provide like the paper toilet seat covers like on the back wall that you can peel off and put over the toilet, are those bathrooms more fancy or would you consider them less fancy? I'm going with less fancy, but uh, I don't know. That, I guess that's up for debate. But anyway, getting back to the main question at hand, um, I'm very much like a person that would be a stay-at-home pooper as I probably think maybe 80% of the people are in the world that probably don't use a public restroom for that very often. Uh, plus, also I feel like if you're a germaphobe, like a hardcore germaphobe, for real, um, you're like me, I'm not a hardcore germaphobe, but I don't like sitting down on any public toilet, whether it's inside a Wawa or an Applebee's. And I feel like if we're using scientific method, um, right now, it would probably be like an appropriate time to eliminate um, germophobia as a potential hypothesis why they don't flush. Uh, also, we should probably be more scientific and more technical um, with the term, I think, germophobia, the technical term is uh, misophobia, which to me sounds like the fear of like an Asian-style miso soup, but it is not, obviously. So what is the only possible explanation if the toilet's working? Uh, we've established they're probably not germaphobes, these people that aren't flushing the toilet. Well, on this one, I, I think I'm going to come to the conclusion maybe there is not a scientific answer. Maybe the people that don't flush uh, their poop down the toilet, it could be they're just bad people. So, I would say problem solved on that one. Uh, but hey, um, call up the WGOT hotline if you're one of the people um, that sits down, uses the restroom, uh, you have a bowel movement, and you don't flush your uh, fecal matter in a public restroom. And when you do so, make sure you ask for uh, Fred Souter, who's the host of uh, The End is Nine. Make sure you mention his name and your responses. So um, there you go. That is the topic of the week, which is psychology. Um, but let's get back into music, the thing we do best here. And got a great old band from the 80s that's been releasing a lot of great new music uh, played a bunch of their songs over the last year or two uh, so you're going to hear a new one from 80s band a certain ratio and it's a uh, song title is it all comes down to this kind of an appropriate song um, after what i just talked about so anyway uh there you go hope you enjoy you're listening to living with cramla on wgot lp gainesville
that's uh, Jane Weaver, Perfect Storm, and thank you for listening to Living with Cramlow on WGOT LP Gainesville. Let me tell you what else you heard per FCC regulations there. Let things off, 80s band, a certain ratio all comes down to this. They, Of course, they were on that factory label with New Order, um, so they've been around quite a long time and really doing some amazing uh, releases here in the 2020s. Uh, then, another old-school combination. You had Liam Gallagher from Oasis teaming up with John Squire, I think was the bassist of um, Stone Roses. And that song's called Just Another Rainbow. You've heard it two weeks in a row, and maybe the only repeat song you'll hear this week because I have so much new stuff to play. Uh, then after that, another team-up of a really, really um, bands that have been around for a long time. You had the Dandy Warhols teaming up with Black Francis who you, you probably know as the lead singer of Pixie. We have a very clever song titled Dan Zig with myself. And that's everything you've heard on the show this week. So this last segment is where we normally like to focus on some television and movies. And um, Oscar nominations came out. We may talk about that next week. But this week, we we're going to focus on a couple TV shows that I've been watching, a couple weeklies that um have been on for um, since actually before um, 2024 started. So, um, like I said, uh, there's these two TV shows I've been watching every week that have a lot of talent behind them, and they both kind of ran concurrently, like for the last two and a half months. So I thought it would be good to finally talk about them and put them together. Um, one of them is called The Curse, and one of them is called Fargo, and I'm going to talk about The Curse first. Um, the Curse is a show that has been airing on Showtime, and what it did, it combined the talents of a comedian named Nathan Fielder, along with film director-slash-actor Benny Safdie. And not surprisingly, you put these two really talented people together, and they come up with something really weird and I'd say pretty special too, especially for television. And not only is it them, but they also brought along a great actress, Emma Stone, um, who we'll talk a little bit next week if we do an Oscars rundown. Um, she's a really great actress, and she's more or less the star of the show, I would say. Um, she actually plays Nathan Fielder's wife, and quick synopsis is that they are a couple trying to get a house flipping show that's going to have this uh, environmental theme uh, on the air on HGTV. It's called Passive um, Houses. I had never heard of it before the show and I looked it up and uh, it's kind of an interesting topic but that's what they're doing. Uh, Benny Safdie, person that also kind of wrote and uh, produced the show, he plays the best friend of Nathan Fielder who is on the show because um, his character has experience producing and writing some pretty awful reality shows that they make fun of on the show in a funny part. So there you go. That is your setup for The Curse. Now, while filming the pilot for the show they're trying to get on HGTV, uh, Benny Safdie's character encourages Nathan Fielder's character um, to give this little girl um, some money. The little girl's out like in the parking lot of a, I don't know, like a Lowe's or whatever they have in New Mexico, and she's out there selling cans of soda. Um, to try and raise money, I suppose, for her family. Um, so she's out in the parking lot, and Benny Safney, um, 
strongly encourages, we could even say makes, um, Nathan Filder give her some money in order to make Nathan Filder's character look like a nice person um, for the show that they're uh, producing. And then as soon as the camera stopped rolling, Nathan Filder goes back in a very funny scene and he takes the money away from this little girl. Um, it's a $100 bill promising that he will give her a $20 bill when he gets a chance to, uh, you know, cash the $100 bill in for 20s. Um, and so basically the little girl doesn't get the money and she puts a curse on Filder. Uh, things from there get even... Uh, stranger with lots of like unexpected turns and twists um, so as I review this I one of the things I would ask you if you're thinking about watching the show do you like shows with a lot of themes and deeper meanings um, because that's what this show is about and therefore the curse would be for you um, just off the top of my head some of the themes and ideas they, they explore uh, quite deeply actually include um, uh, toxic relationships, uh, what it means to be famous, uh, they delve into reality television, uh, Native Americans, uh, gentrification, uh, crime in America, misogyny, white privilege, and alcoholism. And those are just like basically the ones that are kind of coming off the top of my head. And I'm sure there are a lot of other themes I left out or I totally missed because it's a dense show. Um, but if you like shows that are really straightforward and they wrap up every little plot thread and they explain everything and wrap a bow on top, if so, you're going to hate the curse because in the end, the curse asks a lot more questions than it ever tries to provide any kind of clear answers for. And so much of the show is open to like your own personal inter interpretation, um, kind of like watching a David Lynch movie or a David Lynch TV show like Twin Peaks. Um, the Curse does have one of the things that I really love about um, certain television shows, and that is that The Curse is totally genreless. There's no way to describe the show in one word. It's definitely not a comedy, it's definitely not a drama, it's definitely not a horror movie, but it takes a lot of those elements and it pushes them together kind of in a like a stew of, of different types of uh, genres and show ingredients. Uh, I guess the best way to describe The Curse is that it is similar to other shows that Nathan Filder has appeared in, like um, Nathan For You and The Rehearsal, a show I talked a lot about last year. And, and all these shows, what they have in common is they blend reality with these really awkward pauses and really, like, um, cringy humor in a very funny way. Um, also, if you like safety movies like Good Time or Uncut Gems, uh, it has something in common with those movies too because um, both of those movies have um, situations where they put the main characters in extreme anxi anxiety-inducing situations. And that happens a lot in The Curse. Um, another way in which the curse is similar like to the Safety movies is this amazing electronics uh, score. And, and both this television show and the Safety movies, um, the music's produced by Daniel Lopatin. And 
the music is one of the best parts of the show. It really elevates like the tension throughout. Um, Daniel Lopatin is a great producer of um, soundtracks for, for movies and television. Um, on top of that, The Curse has one of the most unexpected, weird, craziest endings of all time. Um, so, if that intrigues you, check it out. You'll find it on Showtime, which you can get through Paramount Plus just to make it really complicated. The other show I was watching at the same time, The Curse, that was kind of have some similarities, was Fargo. And Fargo is now on season five. And the premise for each season of Fargo is they're going to tell a self-contained story um, that is very similar in style and nature to the Coen Brothers movie Fargo. Makes sense, right? TV shows Fargo is kind of based loosely off the movie Fargo. So every season is set in the Midwest, like the movie Fargo. Every season has a big cast of quirky character or quirky quirky. God, I can't get that right. It has a bunch of quirky characters. Whew. Um, and of course, every season has a lot of betrayal and murder, just like the movie Fargo. So in that way, I would say that um, season five compared to the first four seasons is really different in a way because season five feels a lot more like a Noah Howley production than just another like uh, clone of Fargo. And if you don't know who Far Noah Howley is, well, um, you're going to hear him a lot because he's directing the new Alien TV series, but um, he's a writer and producer, probably, at least for me, best known for, I don't think there's any question about this, even though it's my opinion, so maybe that's narcissistic, but I think that he produced the best superhero TV show of all time, which is Legion. Um, which is totally different than any other uh, TV superhero show you've ever seen in a most positive way. And Season 5 of Fargo has a lot of that same like odd energy that um, his other show Legion does. And it's much less of a Coen Brothers type movie, and it doesn't really have that kind of that same level of quirkiness. Um, although, um, that is still part of a show element. And, you know, Fargo... Uh, one way to look at it, the movie is, is a dark comedy, and you could say the same thing about the television series. So, uh, Season 5 of Fargo also just happens to feature two of my favorite all-time actors, John Hamm, best known for Mad Men, and Jennifer Jason Leigh, who's been in a million things. But uh, I always go back, she was uh, the young, 15 years old, I think, or maybe she was 18, playing a 15-year-old, but she was in um, Fast Times at Richmond High way back in the beginning of the 80s. And they both play the villains of the show. Um, the main star, though, is Juno Temple, who I really wasn't familiar with at all, um, but I saw an interview with her, and I guess she is best known for the TV series Ted Lasso, a show I've never seen even one episode of because I don't have Apple+. Plus. So I can't watch um, Ted Lasso even if I wanted to. Alright, so um, what else to say about Fargo? Um, Juno Temple's really good in addition to John Hamm and Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, she plays a Midwestern housewife um, who's involved in an incident like at a PTA meeting that's televised which leads to her life being turned upside down because her estranged husband, who's a psychopath um, and played by John Hamm, he, after seeing her on television, he begins to hunt her down. Um, 
and uh, because he's her ex-husband, and she ran away from him. So there's a lot of dark energy in the show, kind of a trigger warning too. There's a lot, a big um, theme of spousal abuse. So I know that's going to be a red flag for some people, um, but it happens, and this is kind of an exploration of how that happens. Uh, let's see, and I'd say kind of like the curse. Uh, Fargo has layers upon layers of hidden meanings and different themes, but I would also say in that same um, statement that Fargo is way more focused and straightforward um, with its themes, which are kind of limited to, you know, debts, paying off debts, retribution, and an end forgiveness. Um, but like The Curse, Fargo is a crazy show, but with more kind of like clear-cut villains and like more stereotypical villains and, and good guys uh, the humor the humor and the jokes like in Fargo I'd say are a lot more relatable to an average person and way less cringy uh, than the humor that you would find in the curse uh, both shows are really good though uh, even though I thought the curse was um, better um, although I say the curse is better I think like an average person might actually like Fargo a little bit better because it's more standard, I suppose. Another thing they both have in common is an insane ending. And um, here's where I liked the ending for Fargo a lot better than I liked the ending of The Curse. Although I like the show The Curse better overall than, than Fargo. So um, I watch Fargo weekly for... The past 10 weeks, it was on FX, um, but you can also watch it and binge it on Hulu if you want to. And as I mentioned before, The Curse is over there on uh, Showtime, which is part of Paramount+. Plus. So from The Curse soundtrack, I mentioned how much I like it, um, produced by Daniel Lopatin. You're going to hear two songs from John Medeski, who is no stranger to Gainesville's, performed many, many times um, going, going back to... Uh, cover dish when Bill Bryson managed it. I think he played there quite often and doing his space jazz. But anyway, um, here is the Daniel Lopatin produced song from John Medeski, Fake Tears, and we are a couple in a row from them. So anyway, thanks for listening uh, to Living with Cramla on WGOT LP Gainesville.
portraits crack, our faces never grow old. Like a mime who's stuck in time as we revolve. For I might die unsatisfied and unresolved. Under my eyes I 
can see you standing there But still there's nothing to reply The world's my fin de My Spanish castle in the sky I can see you floating there But still there's nothing to define If I'm worlds away I'm holding mountains in my hands Starlight is never gonna let me down Until I stumble like a drunkard back to town Then I end up where you are Keeping the sanctuary warm Don't ask me who I First new album they've had in seven years, that's MGMT. Nothing to declare, and that's your closer this week here on Living with Cramlin on WGOTLP Gainesville. Before that, I had a pair of songs off of the Curse soundtrack, a show I reviewed in the last segment. If you want to go back and check that uh, via Cramla Radio Shows, you can download or stream this episode anytime you'll want to, if you can spell Cramla. Uh, but anyway, I uh, led off with a pair featuring uh, Daniel Lopatin uh, teaming up with the great John Medeski. That first one is Fake Tears, and then uh, another one from John Medeski. We do this all the time. And then right after that, you had Ed 
Ed Harcourt, rather, uh, with Deathless. And that brings you uh, to a close of all the things you heard this week here on Living with Cramla. And as I mentioned before, you can find this show and Cramla Mix Show online just by searching for Cramla Radio Shows. And while you're online, of course, consider becoming a sustaining member of WGOT. You can do so by going to Patreon and searching for WGOT. One dollar a month um, gets you in the door, and of course, if you can uh, donate more, we would appreciate that. This is one of the nonprofits where truly every single cent goes back into the radio station, and people, uh, especially people like uh, Fred Souter, go out of pocket all the time to try and keep this radio station up and running for. 16 years now, and speaking of which, we're going to have a little uh, celebration for our 16th anniversary, kind of a uh, radiothon, you will. We'll be on the air live, I think, for 16 hours in uh, honor of our 16 years in existence. So that'll be a great chance to uh, hear some of the great DJs here at WGOT and uh, consider donating to the station, whether it's through Patreon, whether you're sending a check to the Civic Media Center, or whether you're doing Venmo. And, our, of course, we want to do Venmo for WGOT. Um, our tag is WGOT forever, uh, the number four. So all of those are ways, to, um, hopefully, to keep us on the air for season number 17 or year number 17 because... Um, Things are looking rough again. Um, like to be optimistic and try not to scare people and constantly do, uh, we're going out of business, a uh, mattress store sale. But that's kind of where we are with our finances. So um, hopefully things get better. And um, of course, people donating can only help make things better because, like I said, uh, that money goes back to the station. No one here earns anything at all from that money. Um, so uh, please consider doing that. But um, I think that pretty much cashes you up to everything I wanted to talk about. Um, if you're listening to the FM radio signal, just a reminder that you can stream. It would be great if we had one um, particular stream like our friends over at W. MBT do that you can pick up on every device, every computer, every operating system, but um, you just kind of have to explore which works best for your situation. Personally, I have a very up-to-date uh, uh, Chromebook and I use um, Streama, um, but I know that doesn't quite work for everyone. Some people use TuneIn, but that doesn't work for my brand new computer with everything updated. So um, Stream is kind of kind of uh, trial and error uh, to do that. But anyway, thank you for listening. I'll be back same time, same channel, and have a great week.